Hello and welcome back to Crystal Clear, the podcast where clarity is the goal, clarity in life, clarity in choices, and just being totally clear with who I am and where I desire to be. Crystal Clear is my affirmation. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I am back. I have a guest, but we're jumping right in. <laughs> Say hello, BJ. Greetings, people, good people, <laughs> spiritual people, and the indifferent. <laughs> Okay. All right. So guys, um, we are going to have a conversation that we are trying our best to be careful with, but at the same time, be honest. And I feel like me and BJ can have this conversation because I feel like we both have a background in the church and we haven't completely turned our back on that background. You understand? Like, Right. I, you know, like I don't consider myself like a religious person and I know I don't, I hadn't seen Sunday service in ages. Right. But I still have a connection to my background and I still respect it for what it was. Right. And I still, mm. you know, I'm still really close to my friends that, you know, hadn't missed a beat in church or whatever. So it's like, I get it. I'm not there, but I, I, I have nothing against those who are, you understand? Right. How, right. How, how do you, how would you describe yourself? Um, me and the church had a bad breakup and I'm still bitter a little okay. bit about certain things. Um, I grow, I grow in those spaces because those moments still tend to pop up. But then like the, the characters of the lesson are a little bit more detailed than it was when I initially felt the hurt. So, mm-hmm. um, you begin to like, kind of see the, the significance of um, entitlement when you think of like leadership in church, how there's like a head deacon who kind of governs even the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, you find out that there's a certain level of politics because the head deacon is the the meal ticket or the money maker. Um, you begin to kind of unravel a lot of the relationships and the things that kind of take place behind the scenes and it begins to make more sense that that hurt wasn't as intentional as it may have felt when you felt it. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's just moments where I have these revelations, but then too, I, um, as the words say, I study to show myself approved that Mm -hmm. I've learned these lessons and then I kind of translate them into my content because I think that like this, what we do, is kind of the barrier between, you know, those um, lost souls that the church has no retention to. So we have to, like, kind of incorporate some of these things mildly in our content. That's very true. I, I, I hear you. It makes perfect sense to me. I've never described it as such, but it's so accurate, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because I do, I do <laughs> feel like a part of what I do is like because I've been hurt because I've had the experiences. It's like I want the people, you know, probably who have experiences like me to understand like all isn't lost just because you're not there. Because if if they were anything like me, they were made to believe that not being at that particular church means you are, you know, cast away from God, you know, like mm-hmm. there's no connection without this building. Right. And so for me, my whole like uh, relationship with God after church was 
accepting the fact that I'm not rejected, you know, accepting the fact that oh, he still true, loves me, true, you know, true. accepting the fact that he can still use me, accepting the fact that I am loved, accepting the fact that I'm still blessed, you know, that was mm-hmm. like my whole, you know, my whole journey after church is like accepting that, you know, I am not <laughs> forgotten, you know, just because I'm not there. So my, a lot of my content is like reaching out and saying, Hey, discover your personal God, discover God for yourself personally, because let me tell you, if you're trying to take their word for it, you're going to get their God and you're going to be unhappy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to spend too much time there. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's always been the case with mm-hmm. me personally is a kind of identifying the, the i guess the perspective behind being created in his image like mm-hmm. what does that look like for me because honestly the way that i see god is how i see myself so naturally when i say like okay well god hasn't answered the prayer that i've been um religiously praying it's almost as if i automatically know what his answer is oh he's not hearing me so i'll just negate the diligence to communicate, to, to manifest, to, you know, actually sit with those words and find ways to explain it better because maybe God doesn't understand my communication in this moment because it's not according to his will. Even though I'm not directly on a pew in the congregation, I still have a responsibility to his will and sometimes that's the communication that I'm missing it's like you're still on what you're on you're not hearing what I'm telling you and this is the conversations that I have with myself you know um it's difficult it really it really is difficult because um learning how not to depend on the pulpit is very hard to do yeah very hard to do because um yeah yeah there's a hierarchy there that a lot of us um a lot of us fold to you know we will like sacrifice our own thoughts of our feelings and emotions for who we believe is elected the the highest or the the most logical you know person (laughs) so we'll We'll just totally disregard our own feelings Mm -hmm. because it came out of a pulpit. So like not heeding to that and and entertaining your own thoughts and feelings is a very difficult thing. It's a very spiritual thing to do. Mm -hmm. And um, like it's it's hard. I'll just say it's hard. It's really hard. Well, I think it'll be uh, therapeutic for the listeners to hear us Mm -hmm. try to wrap our heads around church and scandal you know mm-hmm. and you know and understanding and still like not understanding at the same time the conflict of it all and i, right. I think that's why this this conversation is so important and that's why i had to have it with you okay right. so right. <laughs> here we are so just for everyone listening so y'all can know of course y'all know constantly not just recently, all the time. There's church candle. There's some pastor doing something or the or the other. You know, whether it's you know um, they're too rich or whether they're sleeping around or whatever it may be. I'm not really interested in calling people out, but I think enough of us know there's enough going on constantly in the church 
for us to know, kind of pinpoint who we're talking about. I don't have to mm-hmm. call names here, but if you feel like it's necessary, BJ, you feel free. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. All right. So what I will start off saying is the name of this the show today. What I'm going to call it is what it takes, because I understand <laughs> the responsibility that comes with having a calling and being mm-hmm. a leader, and how wow. seriously accepting and answering the calling should be taken. I also okay. understand how a calling belongs to you, whether you want it or not, whether you feel deserving of it or not. Nothing can disqualify you from your calling. There is no undoing of the calling, but more so an undoing of yourself, which could be good, but it could also true. be true. True. So, true. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Like you, you don't disqualify. You can't disqualify from your calling. Um, I do sometimes though. I think when it comes to a calling, there is a, there is a deep misconception on Mm -hmm. calling versus anointed in a sense, because I remember, um, my last couple of incidents in the church I was the, I came to the very last church that I was a member of with this same church hurt, this, this bad breakup. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I show up to this place, there is people who, who know my mother and, you mm-hmm. know, my mother is devout Christian and um, they always assume that, you know, the apple of course doesn't fall far from the tree. But my mother is that very person who can't separate herself from the pulpit when it comes to a lot of her feelings and a lot mm-hmm. of her thoughts. Because, you know, we we teach that we have to have a certain reverence for our leaders and all of these different things. So naturally, right. when I show up, a lot of the people are just assuming that I have the same innate gifts and talent which i do which i do but there is and there's an attitude or a inspiration behind why i'm actually here i'm actually here because i'm hurt right Mm -hmm. and it gets weird because um you know how it is when the church is singing a song that you know and love and you just find yourself without thinking you begin to sing the words and the words mean something to you. So you might know how Mm -hmm. to hit the run or you might know the ad lib and the people surrounding me are paying attention to me. And this is to some, it's almost like you're just singing in the audience, but this space is almost like recruitment when you're encamped around spiritual leaders throughout the Mm -hmm. church. This is recruitment. This is a kind of like a screening process or vetting Mm. in a sense. So they approach you and they say, you know, when you going to sing in a choir? I'm like, I'm not. That's not what I'm here for. Um, Then they tell you, if you if you don't use it, you'll lose it. That's the biggest lie that people will tell you. That's the biggest lie that people will tell you in church. Because the first way to lose your voice is in a black church. Nobody is nobody is (laughs) 
They're not trained musically. They don't know about diction, tonality, breathing, voice and breath control. They don't know any of these things that I've been taught in the outside world. I've been low-key singing my entire like teenage life. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest lie you tell people. And these are the things that a lot of Christians are like conditioned to believe. And this is how you end up in one of the most fruitful churches in the world or in your life and still be unhappy because you're not doing the things that you set out to do. And in my heart, I wanted to be a musician more than Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a singer. And nobody in the church could see the desires of my heart or the abundance of what was in my heart when I'm trying not to sing. Because once you sing, you stuck. Now you become the solo. I'm going to call Brother Jackson up and, you know, render us the A and B when y'all go to the second service and you you getting drained by something you don't want to do. And this was my life. So I was just always looked at like, why does he reject everything? Why does he say no to everything? Why does he this? Why does he that? And it created a certain level of judgment. They never saw that I was hurting. They never saw that I was crying during prayer. When, when you calling folks to the altar, they never saw when, you know, I'm in my word and I'm praying longer than the other members. Mm-hmm. Prayer ended a long time ago. I'm still on my knees. I'm still, they never saw that. All they saw mm-hmm. was their recruitment process. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it, what it takes when you're in those spaces, when you're unsure of yourself is you got to sit with yourself in that relationship with God. And this is how a lot of these scandals tend to happen because you're so far removed from yourself when you're communicating with God that you're only seeing God. You're not seeing yourself. Hmm. Are you seeing what you're supposed to look like in the relationship? Does that make sense? Does that connect yeah, there? Because, I, because for it me, does. because for me, like, being like when I say I'm raised in a church, I'm not just saying like I started church when I was a kid. I I literally I was a baby in the church. Like Google Gaga, Jesus God. That mm-hmm. <laughs> first words, okay? Like listen, like church was everything that I knew and so everything that I thought was right, every everything I believed in was in the church. And so every idea I had about what my relationship was was acting like somebody else. Yeah, not my own. True. True. Not my own, because I was, I was raised there. Everything about mm-hmm. me. So I, I feel like a, a large part of that when you're in church and you feel like uh, misidentified, if you will, is because you're trying to be something that you don't realize you're not yet. Because yeah. at that point, you don't realize you're not that. You just know. You just know it don't feel right. And, it, doesn't feel, it doesn't feel. You genuine. still don't. You don't know that either, though. Sometimes, sometimes you're stuck on the indictments that mm-hmm. you've um, taken all over the course of your life. Like there's a point where the word becomes real mm. and those indictments kind of encourage the realities of those things that you, that you know you're supposed to do, but you have yet to come to grips with how you feel about those things. Like we can, we can quote, quote scriptures. I can think of like Colossians where they say, you mm-hmm. know, put to death what's earthly in you, you know, mm-hmm. sexual immorality, passion, evil desire and covetousness and all of these things. And, you know, idolatry and you hear these things and it's like, how can you put something to death that you don't even know needs to be killed? 
<laughs> you haven't. They're yeah. not. They're not you? teaching or identifying with any of those things that they're telling you to kill, to die off, or to die in. But so when you're young, you have, when you're young, BJ, do you even have anything to kill or you know? Kill off. Exactly. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You hadn't experienced life yet, so you're getting all these lessons that don't apply yet. So of course it's going over your head. But for mm -hmm. me. For me, honestly, BJ, I can say I didn't feel right because what I did understand is the difference between the truth and a lie, right? And yeah, I, yeah. I felt like at a young age that there was a disconnect from my truth in, in the way that I carried myself at church. It didn't feel like my truth. Truth, yeah. So I felt like I was lying. I, I felt that way. That That's the one thing I could connect to all the time. And it led to confusion, and that's that's what I all that's what I always have felt. I was confused because I could never I I never felt like what I was doing in church because I was you know imitating emulating was my truth. I never felt that yeah, way. True. I never did. So I mean I can't I can't speak for everyone, but I know that's my story. I did it did not feel honest. And it, and like, it won't it won't for <laughs> a long time. It mm -hmm. won't. You know you'll you'll get to your thirties and your forties and. A lot of the things that, like I said, once it becomes real to you, mm -hmm. a lot of those things will kind of navigate you, navigate you through um, that process of dying in the flesh, as they say. Um, but then, too, when I got to the point of realizing it, because I actually found this out early that I was being somewhat spiritually lied to. Um, mm -hmm. I began to realize that I needed therapy more than I needed the church mm. because the therapy, the therapist was the person that heard me. The therapist is the person that sat with me, counseled me, you know, prayed for me, you know, because the therapist was a spiritual person as well. You know, mm -hmm. then the, the strangest thing is I found out that the therapist at the time that I'm speaking of was also a liar too. Oh wow. Oh right. wow. So um I can't really go into the story because now my mother of course is uh, made aware of what I do in podcasting and she's a listener. So out of respect for her, um I won't go into the story, but something that this lady did to my mother. Because oh, okay. my mother is the person that kind of introduced me to the therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, we find out some backstory and I just don't respect what she done. So here it is a person who you trust shows themselves mm -hmm. before you. And now <clears throat> you have to question whether or not the, the teachings and the counsel was valid, which of course right. I know it is, but it goes further into what we're talking about, about what it really yeah. takes to live. But you just put a different spin on it, though. You just right. put a different spin on it because if a lot of our backgrounds are that is that shaky, no wonder it's hard to kind of, you know, come to terms with what it takes. You understand? Like yeah. if, if if everybody is, you know, you know, faking and shaking, if you will, <laughs> like how how do you know what it really takes? How do you know as somebody who's only experienced people who are giving one side of themselves? How do you know? Uh, for me, I kind of, I kind of like safeguard myself in regards mm -hmm. to that part of myself because I know that I'm still kind of vulnerable about mm -hmm. those type of things. Um, mm -hmm. I really, 
I really look for integrity and leadership more than anything. Like your words could be your words, your, Mm -hmm. you know, your presentation could be, you know, of valor or whatever that is. But um, your integrity is the most important thing. So while you're in question, I don't listen to you. Mm. So any part of any part of what I take from you, if if there's something that I question, I don't place my expectation on you because that's where the disappointment comes from. Like there's there's a lot of people in our lives that um, we can look at our parents even that tell us things every day. And it's like, you don't even live by that. Like that ain't even you. (laughs) But because that's your mama, because that's your daddy, that's your uncle, that's your pastor, that's your first lady, you know, like because these people have these heavyweight titles that they hold, you'll subside all of your beliefs, all of your intuitions, all of your, you know, perspective just to follow their perceptions or, or whatever it is that you connect to when you give reverence to them. So like, I don't, mm-hmm. if I question you, I don't listen to you. You know, um, there's a point where you can, of course, begin to realize, okay, this is somebody that I can trust. I can believe the things that they say, and then they show themselves. Then you mm-hmm. have to ask yourself what kind of compassion you're going to have for yourself when you listen when you chose to listen to them because don't make yourself feel inferior by not being able to pinpoint or catch this person um in their truth when you do because that tends to make us a little bit foolish we'll 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 look at a john gray and act like he haven't been telling some truths because mm-hmm. of the lie that he continually lives in like he mm-hmm. does tell Absolutely. you know great truths but then again it doesn't contribute to the character underneath the cloth or the the pastor's robe is you have to kind of like be a little bit compassionate with yourself you know it doesn't make you foolish because you were lied to so right it's hard right it's hard it's it's definitely hard but let me go back to something because i really want to be clear and make sure i understand you um when I went, when I said the part about you not being able to disqualify from your calling, I'm not clear. Did you, do you feel like that's true or do you feel like you can disqualify from your calling? You can, because just because I'm called to do it doesn't mean that I want to. Okay. So no, yeah. I feel like, I feel like the truth is just because you're called to do it doesn't mean you're, you're not, you're going to, but it's still your calling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that's yeah. why people people when they when you miss your calling it's because you just refuse to do it. It's not that it goes away. You just you're just in refusal, right? And I feel like that can also become your undoing because you're fighting against something, so much resistance mm-hmm. against something that you know is yours, right? And you know yeah. why? And what 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 you went into when you first addressed it, it did make sense to me though because it was like you know. You feel like you don't want it. And I, I go through that a lot. I don't want what sometimes it feels like comes with, you know, me just being who I am. Right. Sometimes right, I don't want right. it. I'm not interested in it. Like, I don't I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be the type of leader that, you know, has to be somebody who does everything right. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be a leader, I need it to be an understanding that I do not do everything right. And it's not my intention to do everything right. And I can't I could care less if you agree with all my actions 
as right. I'm just going to do what's right for me. And I understand full well that what's right for me might be absolutely wrong for you. And I need you to be on top of that. So as soon as I do something that's wrong for you, you can do what you need to do, right? Because it's wrong Mm -hmm. for you, but it's right Right. for me. You understand? So that's the type of leader I am. I'm courageous in all that I do. (laughs) You know, I know people people read it differently. People read it differently because I, you know, I do talk around how I feel. And a lot of, a lot of my feelings are doubtful, but it is a correct, I'm courageous in all that I do. I am bold in all that I do. Like I do not need approval. And that's, I feel like when I was a kid and my issue in, you know, what was going on with the church was is because it wasn't the truth. And I knew that. And I don't care how much reverence they gave whoever it was in the church. I could not do that. It was not yeah. real for me. Yeah. You know, I might have, you know, real at all. Right? It, it wasn't real for me. And so like, I don't know if it was just the supernatural sight, <laughs> crystal clear back then. I don't know. But I just knew it wasn't real and it and it wasn't going to be me. And so I feel like I fight, if anything, against a leadership that lines up in the way that it used to be and what I've seen before. Because I don't feel like anybody can be a true leader there because they can't be themselves. They have That's to present the... a certain way. Wow. And I, right, I can't. right. I don't, know, I don't know how you can give your truth there. The thing about the thing about leadership that's missing is the truth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we don't we're not ready for the consequence of telling the truth for mm. the callings that have been put on us. Like mm-hmm. I think when I when I look back at how there's a um I have so many stories in church like um <laughs> one of the stories that I have was I was in my senior year of high school and all of my male cousins were, um, they had, they were like hustle driven. So Mm. I had a cousin who, um, decided to leave high school in his senior year. He was a little bit older than me. We didn't understand that, but he wanted to get to doing all of the things that he wanted to do. Um, I had another cousin beneath me who um, decided that he was going to quit school and just go take the GED so that he Mm -hmm. didn't have to deal with the last few years of high school. So there was this unwarranted pressure for me to complete the traditional um, graduation process of high school. And I had a a serious issue with a lot of the responsibilities that, of course, were coming from the family. So here we are. I'm going through the school aspect and then there's also those same cousins are like far removed from um, a firm position in the church. So Mm -hmm. I'm literally everything in the church. I'm the secondary drummer. I'm the PA mic man. I'm the junior deacon. I'm tenor, baritone. I am just about everything because I'm like the only boy that seems to be grounded in this process. And so the junior deacon was kind of like a trial position. It was just to see Mm -hmm. if they could vet you to finally step up and become a full-fledged elected um, official Mm -hmm. or auxiliary holder in the church. And I really didn't want to do that. But um, my grandfather was that head deacon. And my grandfather's thing was, I want my name on the roll even when I'm gone my name gotta be on the roll and 
it meant something to me to make him proud, but I didn't really have a relationship with him in that way to um to uphold his legacy in that sense because you're still trying to make me do something that you can't see that I don't want to do. I want to be on that organ. I want to be on that piano. Like you you guys are so committed to grooming and vetting that you don't know your people. And this is another thing that happens when we talk about church. You really don't know the issues of your people. Like one of the things that we often hear when we say, like, I've asked people in so many ways, like, do you consider your temple, your body, when you talk about the temple of God? Like, do you Mm. think about yourself and what you take in, what you listen to? Um, how do you perceive the temple? Because there are so many analogies that could be unraveled if you look right. at yourself as the church and not the building. So when you have those conversations, people are kind of like thrown for a loop because what it takes to be a Christian a lot of times is just merely people's expectations. It has nothing to do with the book because the book tells you that you were created in his image, you know? So in his image, when you say this, I feel like God looks at you the way that you look at yourself. God looks at you based on how you feel about yourself, the actions that you feel on yourself, in yourself, about your heart, your head, your feelings, your perceptions, your heartbreaks. These are the things that God uses to tell your story. For you to tell what your passions and what your shapes and what your like end all be all is going to be like it's not like oh i told you you were going to be the director of the mass choir so this is all that you're going to do it's not a dictatorship like that it's basically mm-hmm. you looking at yourself and making sure that what i'm asking for in myself my expectations of self does this align with the god that i serve And those are the callings that we need to answer to. Mm. Because what is the point of saying, ask and it shall be given if nothing you want is even considered? Hmm. And this is stuff that we don't talk about, you know, that that's true. That's true. So I want to, I want to go. We, you, you are hard, uh, BJ. Cause like every time I want to just, you know, touch on something you go deeper and i have to entertain the depth and you're, you're making it really hard <laughs> all right all right okay. i'll follow your lead from here on out <laughs> it's okay it's okay it's good it's really good so um what i wanted to do is go back to the point that you made about um the part of being a christian is basically just meeting expectations because that's a fact okay mm-hmm. um I, I think putting words to that is important because i don't you might not realize it that it's just meeting expectations. And if if that's all you've been trying to do as a leader is meet expectation, of course, at some point, you're going to be burdened because you, you, there's no you in that, right? And and I yeah. guess that's what we're going to keep getting back to is because mm-hmm. you you have to be somewhere in there, right? Because yeah, it's, it, it's, it's what it takes. And kind of where, where I was going with the calling and you not being able to dis- disqualify yourself is because you kind of have to understand that everything about you is going to be required to fulfill this task, to True. you know fully True. answer this calling. And so that's kind of what I was trying to bring out there because even the mistakes 
AJ. You know, even the mistakes are a part of the equation. You know, mm-hmm. even the mistakes. True. True. So, I just wanted to touch that, right? And then I want to right. uh, go to um, also another part of what it takes is you know owning up to the responsibility of your your actions when you're called to question. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a very important part because, as you know, there's more than one type of church scandal, right? There's right, a lot of stuff right. that just goes in. Like, it's just a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of it that some people bring upon themselves, right? And when right, you are one right. of those people who bring things upon yourself, I feel like it is your duty to handle it with grace. Now, you might not, but I feel like that's a part of what it takes. Especially when you're bringing these questions on yourself. Like, when you're bringing this, these, this harm on yourself, you know? So... I just wanted to get those things out and then we can keep moving because, I mean, we've got a lot of questions to cover, BJ. <laughs> all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. So uh, I sent you uh, a question mm-hmm. to ask your friends or whatnot. And the question was to ask them what they required from a church. And I asked one of my friends that I know is, you know, still active in the church and you can get to your responses and, We'll see if they match. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I asked four people this question. I asked um, two people that were devout Christians, and I asked two who double Dutch with the church. And the yeah, they in and out. You know how that go, but mm-hmm. um. Three, one of the double dutchers and the two devout, they typically said that they have to feel a connection to God in in a realistic way. So um, in a traditional sense, the church is um, the connectivity or the utility to the connectivity that they feel. They feel Mm -hmm. as though um, it's a refuge from um, the world naturally what we're taught to feel you know um, it wasn't something that you probably never heard before but the one eyeball um, which was a guy he says that's the reason one of the reasons why he looks for a church is um, to medicate because mm. the church is a vice oh. and it was crazy to hear that because it's true it's true. And, um, it's true. Now, um, one of the things that I, I want to be clear, I'm not um, dis, I'm not trying to be dishonorable when I say this. I'm just trying to really emphasize to your listeners how important it is to seek a second opinion for a lot of the spiritual issues that you have, because mm. what the church does, what the church does very well, is they keep you in these spaces where you're hurt they keep you in these spaces where the wound is not healing because it's not being treated correctly i know we all have heard that um songs tell us that he's a mother for the motherless so you'll hear that and and totally disregard that there's some repair that needs to be done on your mom's relationship to you you'll just you'll just elect God to be the void and not deal with the issue. You still have to see her at Thanksgiving dinner. You still have to deal with all of the things that come with 
that relationship. You'll hear um, all of my help comes from the Lord. Is that the reason why you won't go get therapy? Is that the reason why you won't sit down with your issues, open up that closet, that dark closet, that, you know, that place that a lot of us are afraid to go into because now we have to confront what mama did behind closed doors when she said, you know, what goes on in this house, stay in this house. Now you got to confront that. You got to confront the absentee father that was probably gone because of your mama, but that's not the narrative we tell. Like we have to start to really get into what counsel is outside of our convictions or our callings, because those things kind of like mislead us into not getting the professional help that we want. And everything spiritual does not heal. So very true. Very true. And I was, and I'm Go sorry, ahead. Jay. Go ahead. I was I was gonna say that a large part of why it seems like, or to me, it seems like the church keeps you in this pattern and this cycle of hurt is because these are people that you know have created churches, but they are still dysfunctional as dysfunctional mm-hmm. can be, and they don't have what it takes or the skills to actually you know, heal or solve an issue, it is just recreated over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't even know if it's intentional. They, the intention might be to help, but they don't have the skill to actually skill help. To yeah. actually, right, to to kind of like mend or even, you mm-hmm. know, force the breakthrough right. that you would need. And it, and it goes into a lot of what we see now today because um, our millennial um, leadership that we see our young pastors and our young leaders are still or they still identify the way that we see ourselves they flashy they like to dress like we dress they like to ride how we ride and we question their authenticity and those those people a lot of times are the ones telling the truth you know and it's hard to see that because it almost makes them feel it almost makes them feel as though there's somebody still like looking down on you and having the resources that you're striving for. And it's like a I don't know if it's like a fake flex that we take from that. It's almost like you're looking at the person who knows what it takes to, you know, get it, tell you, oh well, if you sow a seed of whatever, or if you do this you know, you're going to see a blessing in seven days. And we look at those people as if they're selling us a dream when honestly what they're telling us to do is so into things that normally you wouldn't evaluate and you'll see different results. It's not as literal as we hear it. So we always look at them saying, oh, well, if, if you sow a seed in the church, I need 50 people to give me $50. You, you looking at like, this Robin Hood theory or something like somebody's taking advantage of you, but you're not right. hearing that so into your blessings. So into another, you know, black business if you want to be a black business owner. So mm-hmm. into the things that, you know, will reap you the seeds or the harvest of the things that you plant. It's not as literal as we, you know, believe it to be. So we'll totally like disregard those young pastors because they look like what we want to be. And it's hard to not, it's hard to not feel those things, but I get why we don't. And this is why these conversations are so important because you'll get lost in your own translation 
of what your calling is. You always need somebody to look up to, you know, but you have to be, you have to be diligent in a way to where you hold yourself responsible for what you look up to. It's totally up to you, you know? Very true. Very true. But see here, okay. See, you did it again, BJ. Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> um, so just to just to just to keep it at work. Okay, so the person I asked about what they need to get from the church, they basically said, um, they they need to gauge when when determining what's a good church, they need to uh be able to feel like their spirit feels something actually. Um, they mm-hmm. need to make sure the pastor is teaching the word, not just a feel good message all the time. They need to make sure they feel the presence of God, actually. Um, even she said, even though you have God with you everywhere you go, you just need to make sure you're in a welcoming atmosphere. And that was important to her. So I'm that just di- different answers overall. Like some people are looking for a feeling. Some people are looking for mm. advice. Yeah. Uh, some people are, you know, just on a regimen, you know, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, true. yeah, really people, true. it's just a practice. It's a religion actually. <laughs> so, um, there is that. So moving on. So I also sent you a video about, uh, um, another pastor that, you know, was being questioned because of his riches and you kind of mm-hmm. went into that. So thank you for, you know, kind of creating a segue, for that uh where these people who seem to be at a level of wealth that doesn't seem to line up with what we told ourselves or some of us told ourselves um go with you know serving god right mm-hmm. so for me immediately i i i have an issue like i feel like most pastors especially if they have mega churches or they have big churches everybody judges them harshly um, what they do not see is how most of these churches started very small, right? Mm-hmm. Me personally, I was raised in a tiny church. And then over time, you know, they were able to build and have something big. Still not a mega church, but you can see the growth. And I can see people going there and looking at what they have now and being judgmental and, you know, making it seem like it's all about this one thing when it isn't, right? You just don't see the... uh the the early the early start you don't see when it's nothing basically you don't see when it's raggedy you don't see you know you don't see that part and so I really I really don't I take offense personally about people who are so quick to judge the the rich pastors because y'all don't know and and my idea is you know we understand I've talked about this before about selfishness and you know service and I, and basically people are still people when people are in service they can still be selfish because they're in service for themselves right they do stuff mm-hmm. because they know it will add to them right right yeah right so i right, kind of had right. the conversation before um and i think that what we don't realize is there's a real truth like you were saying when you when you um invest in businesses black businesses you know it's going to in turn you know, bless your own black business. Like when you put seeds into stuff, it comes back. And I don't know if um, the general public understands while it might not do anything for you, while a sermon might not touch you at all, it's doing something for somebody else. So there is a reward in the service when you are touching somebody and changing the life, right? Even if we, Mm -hmm. even if we feel it's minimal 
and that's only going that's a temporary blessing if any you know even if we feel real sarcastically about what is actually happening and what people are actually getting from the church we cannot gauge just how valuable it may be to someone else right right, right and right. so there is a a uh a return for things like that it is whether we like it or not that is just the way it works okay and you, like i feel i feel like we're saying the same thing but in different terms you, when you do when you plant seeds and you take care of it you will you you will reap an actual plant you will actually see the benefits of you know what you put your time and money in it's going mm-hmm. to happen whether whatever it is you do whether you sit around and be negative and mad you you might not want to be more ma- negative and more mad but that's what you put your money that's what you put your seed into that's what you put your time and energy into you're going to get more of it so that's 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 just the law, right? You're going to get what you invest in. And if you are really, whether we agree with it or not, whether we feel like it's potent enough or not, whether we feel like they're actually truthful or not, somebody that doesn't have the judgment or the intelligence or however you look at yourself um, when you're judging the, the pastors or whatever, somebody's looking on and they do not see any of that. They're just hearing the word of God for wherever they are in their life. And they are getting something from it. So there is a return for that minister or pastor or preacher or however you look at them. Yeah. And so, so I feel like that comes with the territory. So the, uh, the young pastors, okay. Yeah. They might be able to, um, you know, dress nice and drive nice cars and have nice homes, but that comes with the lifestyle. Like whether, whether it's real to them on the level of it being their truth or not, if they are participating in that, there is some riches to benefit. That's mm. a, it is. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. is. It is. And so you have to decide, like, for you, like uh the lady who was questioning that particular pastor, she was like, she had two grandfathers and both of them were broke. And they would be outraged by rich ministers. Like somebody told them that in order to serve God, you have to be poor. And then she used the scripture saying, you know, uh the rich man uh will not go to the needle i don't know that scripture but i've heard it several times before and like many things in the bible i feel like um we do not know what they mean completely when the the person the person who said it they meant something in particular they could be somebody like me who you know talks and phrases and you know i say what i say and you might understand me perfectly and somebody else might be like what does she mean and you might be trying to you know gather your own understanding over you know the the specifics in the conversation like oh what's the eye of a needle or oh, is that a door or is it actually the eye of a needle and you know like stuff like that like people <laughs> gonna break it down differently so we don't know exactly what that scripture means but what she looks at it is oh rich people are gonna have a hard time getting to heaven because they're rich and i just don't agree with that no that you know like i don't really think that we really try to understand the concept of abundance in terms of spiritual like spaces because mm-hmm. there is a possibility that this man of God is living the words that he speak every Sunday and he has, you know, a fervent prayer time and all of the things that, you know, you kind of see manifesting in the the position that he has. Um, let's not forget that, you know, Solomon's temple. Like these places were beautiful. These things were big, huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these were things that were in the Bible. Like the mega church is not the issue, it's the leader. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you again putting more emphasis on the building and not the actual church. So you have to look at the perspectives that are being passed around when we talk about these mega churches because those men that lead those places have a ridiculous amount of pressure that comes with you know that responsibility of mega mm-hmm. church leadership that's like having 3000 5000 10000 children almost yeah. you know and you have to kind of identify those needs in a mass productive way so absolutely i don't i don't subscribe to that ideal because one thing that i will say in the church defense is that we'll invest in everything else but the church. Mm-hmm. Now, understand that you have to put in the church what you expect to get out of the church. And I'm not speaking to the building. I'm talking about you, the person. So if you never sow into anything, how do you reap a harvest? If you mm-hmm. never take those opportunities to really bless people, for people, why do you think you're lonely? Like, why do you think you don't have any friends? Why Mm. do you think it is that every time it's time for somebody to get together and celebrate another year or, you know, another birthday, whatever, an accomplishment they have, you're not invited. It's something that you're not sewing into in terms of people, in terms of things, in terms of a lot of spiritual relationships that Mm. you need to either mend, fix, or repair. Like, these are questions that the church is not always responsible for. It's the people. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know where that perspective comes from, but I think that's just, that's a lot of church hurt speaking because Mm -hmm. we still feel like we haven't been seen. Like, you ever hear those people that say, I'll never join a mega church because my pastor not going to know me. You want attention. Listen to me. As somebody who was raised in a smaller church, a mega church feels like comfort, okay? You yeah, you yeah. if you was raised in a small church, you don't want them to know you. Honestly, because you, you will be you know. will be the subject of the sermon mm-hmm. on several Sundays. If the if the church small enough, trust me, you don't want that Especially type of attention. Especially if your <laughs> pastor is a person that preached three and four times on a Sunday, you will find your situation in his in his message. At okay. least once or twice in that year. So yeah, that mega church, that no. mega church sometimes is a blanket that, a blanket. you know, you don't understand, you know, can help you to to have a sense of privacy in the spiritual space. Right. Like you, it's, it's how you see stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we can learn from you know, both positions, we can learn about the intimacy of how we, you know, fellowship in those small, you know, storefront churches, you know, we can learn intimacy, relationship, and communication. Sometimes we can learn about, you know, obscurity and how that benefits when you really need to be, you know, in that closet praying and fasting, and you don't want to be bothered. You can, you can still have that connection to your higher power without being seen when you don't want to be seen. It's so many different benefits that we can take from conversations like this that the church is not openly having with people because even the smaller church is scrutinized in the mega churches because they broke. Right. Cause, cause they want to be there, but they're yeah, not. And yeah. so they, they feel like they must be doing something wrong. No, 
No, Mm-mm. you're just not there yet. You know, maybe right. your message isn't right. broad enough. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. let me stop. Okay, but you, 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 you are leading the conversation. You are carrying it, BJ, because you're talking about you know that solitude and you know being able to be one with God. And so one of the comments that was brought up in the um, the video I sent you was one of the pastors complained that you can't talk to God or reach God while flying commercial, right? And so as soon as <laughs> somebody like a regular, regular, regular person hears somebody say, a pastor especially, say, oh, you can't talk to God while you're flying commercial. They get besides themselves. Like, what you mean? <laughs> like, what is it that you mean? How come you can't talk to God? While, are you better than this? And they want to get mad and upset and, you know, feel away and, and you know, you know, pick on the pastor. At the same time, we say things at, like protect your peace at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. But then we don't understand yeah. a pastor needing that same type of space. And when you hear this guy, you know, I don't vouch for anybody in particular, but I can say it just makes sense. It made sense to me. I understood how it can make somebody mad and I understood why they, why they feel it's necessary. He said that, you know, when people recognize a preacher, they want to stop them over and over and ask for prayer. Whether this person is a praying spiritual person or not, just to say something to this person you recognize as a godly person, you're going to ask them for prayer. That's extremely annoying. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I could I could imagine what that would be yeah. like. Like, first of all, me personally and my personality itself, I'm not interested in the, you know, the stopping and going and the uh, constant greeting. And I have, I, I'm not a people, I, I don't hate people. I am just not that fun of interacting constantly nonstop. Like I am somebody like, um, I'm the introvert that if I go do something and go have a good time, I had to plan for it. I had to prep myself for it. And when I do it, I'm going to have a great time and nobody will know I'm an introvert. But when I go home, I'm going to need like three weeks of rest because <laughs> I'm going to be yeah, drained. True, I'm true, going to be true. extremely drained. So that's my reality. Right. And so I right. can understand easily that somebody who's actually traveling for the sake of going somewhere to, to minister, whatever message they're ministering or whatever, they need some level of energy and they don't need to be depleted by the time they get to where they're going. Yeah, I I understood it by um, a few different ways. I, I get what he was trying to say. I mm-hmm. just don't think that he constructed his words with the the poor christian perspective in mind and poor meaning like the poor conditioning of the mind um right i think i think we have to really talk about when the bible tells you to watch as well as pray Mm. because um those people that just walk up to him and totally discount that he's on his own time he has a ministry that he has to prepare for he has to prepare his thoughts, his feelings, his own issues as a leader that he goes through alone because, you know, a lot of those mega pastors, you find out they don't have a pastor themselves. So they are their help. And you don't understand what that feels like because you are never in that position. So when they say watch as well as pray, sometimes you have to watch those people that just walk up on you with expectation. Mm -hmm. Those things are spirits. Those things are, um, as he was stating, like, you know, you can't really, you know, you can't really like 
he was being, you know, deposited in your spirit when you're encamped around so many different energies. And right. I get that. That's why, you know, we get to a point where we trying to like decompress and we'll totally shut off social media. Like social media is a body of people similar to a mega church. You could have 3000 followers on mm -hmm. Twitter mm -hmm. and there's people that are heeding your messages that you post and the the statements that you make to certain situations and you have mm -hmm. a following of all of these people looking to you for some type of resolve so mm -hmm. i get it like you have to like separate yourself in that way i didn't really take it as oh well i can't be you know i can't be who i am around all these brokies you know what i'm saying like that's no, how no, we I hear it well, that's how some people hear it. Like when it was yeah. brought to me, like I had to look into the article myself because it was brought to me a long time ago. And they and the person was like, I can't believe they would say something like that. And I'm just like, uh, I can, you know, and I because I understand that it's not coming from that. I guess because I feel like we have a background to this type of thing because we understand the idea that you're not, you know, you're not fighting against, you know, uh, humans you know you're, you're it's spiritual warfare out there you know so I, I i get it i get it's more than just what the eyes can see and i understand myself enough to understand it's you know it's more than just what i feel like you know i can talk to somebody and can enjoy the conversation and be like oh my god how refreshing and i could talk to somebody else and be like oh my god did they just take mm -hmm. all of my energy and energy away <laughs> What right, what just right. happened here, you know? And so when you experience that enough, you figure out how to protect it. Cause you can't tell them. You can't you can't pinpoint the person as you see them. I know I can't. Somebody may be able to, but you can't pinpoint the person as they uh when you see them. Hopefully they could pinpoint you and say, Nah, I'm not gonna mess with her. She don't look like she gonna be the one. <laughs> you know, like hopefully right, I right, hopefully true. I give up their vibe and I and I have like I've been places to where somebody is you know walking around you know. I'll say um, asking for things and it, it doesn't seem like this person is in a real need. There might be something else and they'll skip me. They'll go to the next person. And, and, mm. it, and, it, and, and I'm just, and I'm just standing there like everybody else, you know, and, and that's happened. So maybe hopefully I'm giving off the vibe. Like, no, I don't want, I don't want to bother her, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, true, true. <laughs> so hopefully that's the case, but I understand that you can't necessarily tell the person when you see them, like, this is going to be the one that drains me. So you kind of have to protect yourself from all the possibilities, you know, mm -hmm. even the possible good ones. You just have to be you have to be careful on that level so that you are keeping the energy you need to go do what you need to do, especially if you're a preacher, regardless of who likes your message or not. I feel yeah, like that's like a reoccurring sure. thing for me, because I, I, I feel like just because somebody has an idea of what they think you do or how they feel about what you do. They feel like that is that defines it as a whole. And it doesn't because like I said, yeah. it can mean something totally different for someone else. And you got to respect that. You know, it, 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 somebody is being reached. Somebody is being changed. Somebody, somebody is totally different from where they were 30 days ago when they started following this vice, if you will, or this church or this message or this belief. And it has just been life changing for them. So they can't discount it as he a fake. Right. 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 So right. I feel like I've gotten all the talking points out and now I can actually get to the questions. PJ. <laughs> okay. 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 The question. All right. 
And you can have a ball. Like you, you can go as deep as you want. I'll try to interject <laughs> if I get something. But here are the questions. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. What do you believe for you? What do you believe it takes to answer your own calling? Um, take responsibility for your whole self. Okay. Um, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Um, before you can be spiritual, you have to know yourself. Um, I I spent a a large amount of time living up to expectation and not being realistic to my own feelings. And um, I can say that um, I'm out of control emotionally because of it. Because I was never paying attention to um, the dire need to be, you know, cared for in certain ways, supported in certain ways. So um, knowledge of oneself is is not this uh, this pro black activist perspective where you have to like, you know, start, you know, digging up roots and origins and all of these different <laughs> things. Um, knowledge of self is honestly just being honest with yourself and say, mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't like being here. I don't like the church. If that's how you feel like you have to, um, first learn yourself in mm -hmm. order to connect to anything spiritual, because everything that you feel, of course, is not going to make a difference to, how you truly perceive it or how you truly feel about it. So that would be the first way that I would, you know, address that question. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, and I agree. Uh, next question. What could the church be doing differently regarding the sins of flesh? And we, we kind of got into this, um, you know, when we, when we initially had this conversation, uh, mm -hmm. Like, you feel like it should be handled different when, you know, uh, men tend to have some some, some form of addiction regarding yeah. sex. Yeah. Can um, you go deeper? Yeah. I think that they need to stop building, um, stop building the people to be, like, manufactured Christians and start to prepare them for um, realized humanity. Like when I say realized humanity is when you when you understand why things are the way that they are when it comes to people. Um, some of the things that we deal with in in flesh is not spiritual. It's our humanity. It's mm. You know, um, a lot of the urges that we have sexually, you probably don't know. You can have those things as early as a toddler, early as a infant. You don't know what your body um, will do to you in those moments. There's no oh, way I'm, to tell. I feel like if yeah. you read health books, if you, if you read a good one, like if you got to college, then you yeah. should understand. Like sex is natural. It's natural. It's right. so natural. <laughs> but then again, it's like we plant so much fear mm -hmm. and, you know, we we give off so many consequences. Um, we always talking about the wrath of God and, mm. um, in such a capital punishment way. Mm. Um, and sometimes 
it makes me feel like, well, if he's all seeing and he's all knowing, then he know I'm a freaky motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what you have take? to have you have to have what it takes to stand up to God and say, answer this for me. Why would you make me in this way and then commit me to death by feeling these feelings? Mm. And mm. what you get out of that conversation will be mind blowing. You know what I'm saying? But right. again, it's a it's a step towards knowledge yourself. And right. one of the reasons why I think the church and I say this respectfully, I don't think the church is conditioned to deal with the needs of people because everything is turned from your wicked ways. You know, um, die in the flesh and mm -hmm. all of these different, you know, perspectives that kind of shames a person's humanity. And mm -hmm. when they feel as though there's no, um, those, no counsel or connection to their person, their personality in that way, this is what makes them, you know, return back to the place they were at when, you know, before they decided to come to church. Because it's like, mm -hmm. well, if I'm going to die anyway, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to do what makes me feel fulfilled. I haven't gotten any answers as to why I feel what I feel, you know, so they go back to, you know, this figurative carnal mind state because mm -hmm. you have no way to connect them to the word or their experiences. So this is what makes it hard for people to really accept the church as that, you know, that hospital that it always has been portrayed and all of our favorite gospel songs, because my wound hasn't healed under this bandage. Right. Also, um, there are no doctors. Um, <laughs> there are no doctors <laughs> at the church. Just a lot of patients. At all. And, <laughs> a lot and, of patients. Um, if, if there is a doctor, it's probably God. And mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's every all the other patients are trying to point the fingers at the other patients. And they feel yeah. like... They yeah. feel like, you know, they have reached some level of help to where they can call somebody else sick when everybody's uh, struggling with the mm -hmm. sickness. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another thing that I gather. But to back um, to piggyback off what you said, you I feel like when when you shame someone in regards to like what they are going through or whatever, that just keeps it in the dark. So of course it, it's not going to be revealed or exposed mm -hmm. or talked about or discussed in a manner to where it can be changed if necessary. You know, yeah. like if, if a lot it's of wicked, people that do that don't yeah. think that way though. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, wicked, ultimately what, you, right, right. Mm -hmm. Because what you don't realize that you're communicating is whatever you claim to be the prescription that healed you, it didn't all the way work. Hmm. Because my thing is, how do you prescribe to me something and tell me it's going to make the difference and you still look at my issue as if you never had that problem? So okay. whatever was prescribed to you didn't work all the way. So listen, do I listen. need to... <laughs> listen, listen. So that's a real thing. So people, people <laughs> will do that. Like they, first of all, people can have been straight uh, you know, drug addicts and all kinds of things that would be looked down upon in society and have came out of that and turned a whole new leaf and will act like, 
uh, you know, whatever you dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. is going to, you know, send you to hell or whatever. Yeah. That's what they'll act like that. And, and realizing that their life was turned around. Why can't yours? Like, I feel I, I really get confused when people have been through something, but they don't they don't pull back from that and, mm-hmm. and use it as encouragement for the next person. They forget about it. I have yeah. been changed and uh, I'll never be the same. Therefore, I can act like I'm perfect, you know, yeah, true. <laughs> and that's what true. they do. And it's unfortunate because I feel like there is so much healing in the discussion of the actual problem. If you discuss it and talk about it and talk about the pitfalls and talk about how you were feeling when you kept doing something over and over again, when it's when it seemed like you had no control over yourself in regards to an issue. I feel like there is something to that because then you can somebody can say, you know what, I'm experiencing that. And now you're somebody that I actually feel like I can talk to about that because you've experienced it, too. And it's not just something wicked and I should be ashamed of it. So I'm going to go lick my wounds in, uh, in private. You know, right, 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 true, so true. Okay, it so sucks to we... be in that position, though. Yes. I really, I really understand what that's like to, you know, be judged by people that you feel like are healed. But you know, um, the other forms of medication is not always, you know, the people that you, you know, you close to or you look up to. Sometimes it's that person that is overlooked sitting right next to you like y'all can like have a conversation y'all can encourage each other and mm-hmm. you know get to that healing process it's not always the person that's been delivered that's gonna get you there like sometimes right. you just need somebody that's gonna encourage you to keep going in whatever that process is that's more of the church than what you're recognizing in those people who kind of fake their you know their transition so yeah, yeah. And, and and I think that tells more so than anything that there's not real healing because maybe they're ashamed still about something that they don't even do anymore, right? Yeah. But the fact that they yeah. did it, they're, they're still ashamed there. So if there's still shame there, I'm going to say there's still some unhealed wounds. But let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. All true, right. True. So why or why shouldn't a pastor step down when caught in scandal? If you have an answer for both, go ahead. If you want to say, I don't think they should or whatever, you can do that as well. Um, I don't think we learn anything when our leaders don't take accountability. Uh, so stepping down is not stepping down only matters if you know that you're not going to fulfill the requirements of the job. But mm-hmm. um also step up to the plate when you know you caught in your wrong. Mm. I, I really, I really think that there is this um, this very eloquent orator perspective that these preachers have when they do they BS. Like they'll come up with these these sermons mm-hmm. um, that they they use in the form of apologies or mm. justification. It's justification. almost like preparing for, yeah, preparing for a sermon and mm-hmm. be real with yourself. Like, I think I will respect, especially for these men that are always being caught with other women, because there's a truth and it feels like judgment, but this is coming from a person that knows himself and knows the position I was once in as a person coming of age, there's a perspective 
perspective to a man who is not privy to attention that um, we don't recognize in a lot of these preachers or these pastors or leaders. Um, you don't know what it feels like to be underwhelming to people you hold in high regard or that you see valor or attraction in. And once you get to a certain status and those people begin to give you everything that you ultimately dreamed of in those spaces in your more formidable years, you don't know what you would do in that space, even mm. as a pastor. Mm. Because again, you know, this could be a very highly unlikely that it'll happen in this particular instance. But for most people, um, when we think of, I come to give you life more abundantly, sometimes depending on who you talking to, they may take that as that additional woman, that additional person that is giving me something that my wife ain't committing to doing, or people will use it to their own narrative, whether you notice or not. You, you might be on to something, but I want to rebuke it right now. Let me stop. <laughs> I, I feel be. you. I definitely feel you. But I do know people that will use the word to further their point or their agendas. Agenda. I've always yes. been under that that Bible belt thumb in a mm. sense. And what they'll do is they'll say, you know, what did Paul say? And they know you don't know. So they'll like they'll diminish your fight by making you feel inferior. I'd be like, whatever he said, you're using the wrong context. Yeah. You're still wrong. And <laughs> you I ain't say, right. well, I don't care what he said. Did you hear what I said? I don't. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'll find that out after we done with this conversation that I'm addressing you about. Mm -hmm. you, you know, but what Paul said ain't got nothing to do with our conversation. Like you have to know how to navigate in those spaces where. Your flesh is going to be tempted. And because the church not yes. talking about flesh in that way, you can expect these pastors to get caught up. And, you know, imagine having the the top 10 Christian women all in your DMs as a pastor. I can't. I can't. Listen, like, um, you wouldn't believe. I'm trying to tell you. Listen, I'm trying to you tell would you. not believe. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> listen, it's crazy. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish it wasn't that way. Um, uh, you I, know, I do too. The, I the do way too. I, the way I was raised, like I said, no matter what I take from it, I, I, I just listen. I would not. Re I don't. I don't think I would respect. Um, I would have a hard time respecting. You know, a church that would be like, well, you know, we sleep around around here. You know, <laughs> so mm -hmm. don't don't get don't get your little uh panties in a bunch when it's your man, please. Okay, that's just how I work here. I, yeah. I would not respect I that type you. of place, right? I, I wouldn't. You. I absolutely would not. But what I am saying when I say I want people to be honest, I would I would rather there be this level of um, listen, I know my weaknesses, right? I know, I know my weaknesses. So therefore, uh, uh, Pastor Cleo will not be, um, counseling men, uh, separately. You know, I will not be mm -hmm. doing it. I don't know him. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I don't think it's right. Right. 
he I feel that. We feel got that. we have uh we have men on staff that will counsel the men. I would talk to the women. Like that's the kind of thing that I would do. Like I would be honest, understanding there is a weakness there and not allowing myself to be put in situations, right? I think that's the level of honesty that needs to be there. Not the one that's like, well, you know. Okay. So my question to you, based on your example, Mm -hmm. as a pastor, as Mm -hmm. a pastor, you recognize that this will be um, an issue for you. Mm -hmm. Why don't we look at our leaders with the same compassion as we look at the flock? Because my question is, what what is in place for you as a leader that will make you more comfortable? Because, again, um, I don't think that everybody who comes to you in regards to your leadership, you know, would be looking to you as an attractive woman of God, even though that may be the perspective. A lot of people respect you based on reverence, the word that you deliver, the way in which you can break down scripture and circumstance. I think that like to to know that you have that issue and to disconnect yourself from your sheep will make me question you more. Well, I don't care. And that's why I'll be different is because if I know that I have, a, I'm not going to put myself in the position. I, I cannot. I feel like it is a greater, it is a greater risk to harm. If you put yourself in positions that, you know, you don't have strength. You don't need, if I don't need, I understand pastors have weaknesses. I am, I'm well aware of that. And I'm admitting to mm. a lot of these men of God having weaknesses. I just wish they would protect themselves better. Understanding their weaknesses. Oh, okay. I get yeah. you. I get yeah. you. Yeah. Because okay. I would I would rather you avoid it and then opposed to trying to, you know, live up to whatever this ideal whoever has of you and harming them, you know? And when so I say how harming, do you ooh come on. That's hard. Um come on. So how would you protect yourself in the instance of like a John Gray when it comes to his wife? Because like to ask him to protect himself from an ego he really never experienced while having it. Like he and I'm I'm gonna just be honest. When I look at John and Aventer, you don't see them as the top choices for whatever positions that they're in. And this is just being honest. This is not a judgment statement. Okay. When you look at the mega churches and how they're positioned and what the the pro the promo and the mm-hmm. the visual aspect of you know this man and woman of God you don't see Aventer or a woman like her in that position there is a certain level of status that we associate unfortunately with that position when you look at John Gray you don't see you know like you don't look at John Gray like oh he's just the 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 church is like Rick Ross type where he's like flashy. He still has a little bit of appeal. You don't look at him like that. You look at him as just as what could he be doing to deserve all of these women sliding up on him and taking advantage of the opportunity to be with him. This is the way that we see things in the world. So we have to look at the possibilities that these two people have never been appreciated for who they are before they got their positioning and they're struggling in this, in their relationship. Your husband has never had this type of attention and he doesn't know what to do with it. And because you don't know what to do with it either, 
this is the disconnect in the relationship. Okay, so I'm going to say this. I have seen all manner of first lady and pastor, okay? Mm-hmm. And all of them don't fit the bill, right? But they right. they still do what it is that they do, right? And right. and I and I, I can I you know I have my judgment and my opinion and my taste or whatever. And a large part of you know a, a lot of the leading pastors or would not be my cup of tea, right? But you right. know I right. am not you know I am not the the I'm not the the wolf, if you will, looking for prey. True. You understand? True. True. So um, I don't think there has to be an attraction, and I feel like. As somebody who understands and having a great mind of what it takes to be in position, you have to understand there is going to be a all level of fight of people trying to take your spot or, you know, make you fall. Right. So mm-hmm. in, instead of me, you know, feeling like I need to battle so much with the new attention, I would look at this attention and the type of response I'm getting from certain people as the enemy, period. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would too, because I've always been honest with myself and knowing, Mm -hmm. like, you know, she don't really like me like that. You know, like (laughs) you can once you, I guess, once you begin to like understand what it means to be real with yourself, you know, like you'll begin to understand that oh, she not really feeling me because she didn't show up until I was Pastor John Gray. She wasn't rocking when I was just John. But again, I can imagine what that feels like to um, to be overlooked while still having responsibility to be um, emotionally fragile while still being a leader and not really answering the call of your calling in that space because it's a different calling that you're experiencing. It's almost like, you know, are you going to finally get to a point in your like personality or your ego whichever one you choose to use mm-hmm. and are you going to answer to that when you know this 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 has never happened for you this has never been your life and i don't think that we can expect for people even though they are leaders to understand what those kind of conditions can do for you because you're so busy giving to people and you know being that leader or that parent to people spiritually that sometimes you are going to be weak and that's what I need him to own up to. I don't need him to eloquently explain what we know you doing to this woman who don't deserve it. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, and you said it, you know, in part of answering the call, you need to be well aware of who you are, right? Who you are. And, yeah. and that's, that's just, that is very important. Like I said, because you are involved and answering this yeah. call. Like I, I feel call. like I feel like God understood your weaknesses when he called you to what he called you to, right? He's yeah. not this guy, he's not he's not pretending you're going to be perfect. But what he is is equipping you with the 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 decision making to put yourself in the best position, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a level of understanding like John Gray knew how to get himself in front of the right people to even get to where he is today, right? For him yeah. to even be a household name in, in regards to like pastors, right? I feel like he understands how to get himself in position. So I my issue is this 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 lack or maybe the desire to, you know, unplug in this area. Like I don't want to be responsible here, right? And that's what I'm saying. Right, the responsibility right. 
in this level to keep yourself out of trouble is owning up to the weakness. Like you said, the there's just a, yeah, owning true. up to the weakness, accepting it as a weakness. It's okay to have weaknesses. We all have them. No matter how sister so-and-so going to look at you because you said you had a weakness, I would prefer you own up to the weakness and keep her safe and keep your position But you safe. know the church don't teach that. The, ter- the church really doesn't teach that completely. Right. Like the, the What happens doesn't. is they'll tell you like I may not have the riches of the world, but as long as I got Jesus, quit lying to yourself. Listen, listen, I don't, I don't. Quit lying. I I mean, as much as I hate to be the bearer of (laughs) this news, I know personally that there was times where Jesus was not enough. I know personally what that feels like. That's what got me in therapy. Mm -hmm. I was going to church every Sunday. I was going to Bible class. I was going to Sunday school, even though Bible class and Sunday school was the same lesson. Okay. Jesus was <laughs> not enough okay. in them spaces. And I, it's I hard feel, to admit that. I feel like, um, I feel like the black church wants um, Jesus to, to be, you know, the all purpose cleaner, right? Yes. We, we we want we want yes. him to be the mul- the multi surface all purpose cleaner right we we want mm-hmm. that from yeah. God and we want it to look like oh I just sprayed God on that I just sprayed Jesus <laughs> on that and it was that you <laughs> know it was gone, I, right, it was gone. Right. stain removal complete like I could wear this now right but that's just not mm-hmm. how it works and no. I would say that you know it it probably took it probably was God it probably was Jesus that you know touched you and let you know hey reach out to a therapist you know. Because mm-hmm. the way the way in which this looks, where you just go and rehearse, uh, going to church every day and singing songs and reading yeah, the word, yeah. like rehearsing him, re- yeah. rehearsing, yeah, it it that's not going to get it. You are going through something. You are yes. going through something, yeah. and I, I feel like I feel like it does take a little bit more. I I do feel like it takes you know Almighty to touch you and say, no, no, keep keep looking. There's more than one way. You know, to get a healing, you know, because could try trial and error, try it. And if it don't work, keep looking. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I also yeah. feel like why I, why I appreciate the church. I really, really do. I do feel like a large part in what they do and giving it to God is simply giving it up, giving up giving like they up, have no part. In it. Yeah. True, when they say giving true. it, I'm That's giving it to feel. God. They mean you're not trying no more. Not to say you're supposed to struggle. Not to say you should struggle and you know be in turmoil with stuff, but there is a level of you actually being present in where you are and how you got Mm -hmm. there and making active, you know, changes to, you know, actually see a difference. Like they say, faith without works is dead, right? Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. believe in God, but if you feel like you can just press the God button or spray the multi-surface all-purpose God cleaner on stuff, you ain't got to do nothing else. There's an issue because you are, you are in that you are, you have a large part in that relationship. You actually have to practice on when God speaks to you. You actually have to make the changes you're encouraged to. You actually have to, uh, you know, practice what you hear the preacher say that you knew was true, right? It made you shout, mm-hmm. okay, do it tomorrow, okay? Yeah, <laughs> true, to tomorrow. true. There, there's, there's action on your part. You can't just, you know, want it to work because you, you are in the vicinity. Like, I heard mm-hmm. the word yesterday and because I heard it, everything going to be right. No, there's actions. There's a life to live. And I often say, you know, you have to live in truth. You can't just tell yeah. the truth. 
You have to live in it. Live in it. You yep. have to live in it. You have your life has to tell your truth, right? Now somebody mm-hmm. might 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 have question in regards to how your life is telling your truth, and it's your job to explain exactly how your life is telling your truth. But that's what your life should be telling your truth. Your life yeah. should. And a lot of our conflict, a lot of our conflict is just simple fact that we don't want our hands in our own life. <laughs> yeah. We don't. We want nothing to do with it. We we really wish there was a God in the sky that fixed it all. Yeah, it was like a warranty on it's a warranty on a lot of your actions. And you you just hoping that, you know, it's lifelong in a sense. And it's not gonna be that. Like sometimes you're gonna have to know how to man like to manage the things that you have. You know, um it it really bothers me when when I think about my relationship to a lot of things, because I know that a lot of what I still say and knowing myself is still coming from a hurt place. Mm-hmm. And I've always been taught like um, they always say, like, put on the new self, which is basically being renewed in knowledge after you experience the image of your creator so like it's Mm -hmm. almost like once you finally get to know him and see him for who he is you have to adopt this new self and i totally Mm -hmm. agree with that concept Mm -hmm. um and i i want to do this daily so i want Mm -hmm. people to open their minds to the ways in which you can do this that are not traditional that can still kind of be a catalyst to a lot of what it takes for you to still be where you are as far as hurt mm-hmm. not, not healed all of those different things like you don't have to be as strict to tradition as the common um christian is there are so many different ways in which i receive god based on perspective like when i think about dispatching angels mm-hmm. i look at people like you stephanie latrice sampson and all mm-hmm. of these different people who teach and mm-hmm. talk about healing and talk about God and talk about mm-hmm. their processes. Like it's not as literal as we take it. We have to right. like put ourselves in the positions to um to hear and see see ourselves a lot better. So I just challenge everything about that space because I know the potential of where it can be, because I do know what it did for me. Right. Like even though it's a bad story. Or a mm-hmm. bad ending, the story hasn't ended. There's still some good um, that the church can do, but right. again, you will have to know what it takes within yourself to receive those things. So it's you know it's a never-ending process and right. fight to get you know get to where you want to be in that space. But we just got to be honest about that process, and that's yeah. our leaders in church too. Our leaders got to be the, honest. Like, the leaders, especially because they are leading, and they mm-hmm. they are showing people the way, and and they have to show people that there is honesty involved. You you you. There's truthfulness involved. Like yeah. you have to do the work in regard. Like you know, just because God knows all doesn't mean you can overlook it. You know, like yeah, you you sure. still need you still need to acknowledge and deal right. Um, everything that you said, like, is right on the money. I agree with it completely. There is so much. Um, I like to believe that my my journey in church, um, brought me to a place where I could actually, you know, discover God for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know yep. if 
if I didn't have my experience that I would know God at the level that I do now. I don't, I can't say that. I can't say that I do. I I don't, I can't say that I would have yearned for him as much as I would. I don't think I would have allowed myself to get to this level because sometimes the relationship you have before you explore your own feels like shackles. Right. And sometimes Mm, when you feel like you're in bondage, you kind of feel like, well, God, if you know, if I'm in relationship with you or, or if I believe in you or I think I'm serving you, why does it feel like this? It pushes you to question. And that's why I feel like it's okay to, to talk about the things that we have conflicts with ourselves and with the conflicts we see in others, because ultimately we are all, you know, here to learn from each other, right? Some people Mm -hmm. have to learn the hard way. Some people do have to actually put themselves in the position to be in trouble to actually learn from it. But a lot of us can watch you and say, no, yeah, not me. True, <laughs> true, true. A lot of, so one more question and then we can wrap up. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you, do we feel like, um, the poor behavior of pastors are hurting the church as a whole? No, 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 I don't think, um, I still think it's ministry to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the poor choices is kind of like a front row seat to ministry in action, mm-hmm. um, whether we notice or not, because um, they're going to have to prove what they've been preaching to you. They're going to have to prove that um, retention and relationship and, you know, their religious practices of spirituality, they're going to have to prove these things that they're preaching in front of you. You know, they have to accept their wrongs. They have to repent. All of these R's that are going to come up at this point now that they've, you know, ruined their relationship in any type of way. So you're still seeing ministry. Um, I want people to understand. I want people to understand that. Like, um, I know that it's hard to, to be human and holy in the same space. So, you you can show a little bit of compassion but still hold them accountable you know so i don't totally write off you know any of the pastors or preachers that we've seen um kind of at the forefront of scandal and you can you can definitely learn a lot from these mistakes being highlighted but it's not to say that the church is going to take a downward spiral because people are doing what humans do you know Mm -hmm. um there will be no reason to repent if you are expected to be perfect even in leadership so right and i I also feel like that is that is a um answer of someone who you know has you know just you're fair you know you 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 think things through like um the general public is like oh okay uh hypocrite right (laughs) you know like the people who don't want no parts of the church are are seeming it in their beliefs at this um like they really just feel like oh there's no way i'll ever step foot in the church none of them are real so i mean i feel like in my my opinion yes um it does hurt the church but at the same time like you said it is ministry um, you know, a front seat to it, right? Because in my yeah. mind, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, in my mind, when I think about the pastors that are caught up in scandal, 
I think about how hard they've made it for themselves, right? And I think mm-hmm. about all the things that they have to face, all the people that they've hurt, um, you know, all the commitments that they've broken and still having to get up in front of a church and try to deliver a sermon. Yeah. I, I think about that because I imagine how hard it is, you know, knowing what you believe to be true, right? And mm-hmm. yet still not practicing it. And then having to own it. I feel like just being present and being in that place where you know people are thinking thoughts and getting up is a statement to your belief in itself. So that's why I would say you can't just step down. Like you said, even though you know you ain't gonna do it, but I feel like I feel like you can't just step down. Yeah. I yeah. feel like even even if you stop preaching at the church, you still have a call and an answer to. Yeah, it might true. not be on the level, you know, it could have been, but you still mm-hmm. have a calling to answer to. You know, just, yeah. just because you don't do it on this level, don't mean you can't do it at all, right? And sometimes I see that I see that as a uh, indictment too on a relationship. Like you have a, a calling on your relationship to where you may have to step down from the pulpit to focus on your marriage, mm-hmm. um, and that that's something that I don't think we understand in a sense as to why associate ministry is important because sometimes you need to step away from your ego which a lot of times comes from the pulpit to -hmm. focus on those you know marital issues where um you got to tell your wife the truth ever since i became this i've been dishonest about my lust and my temptation and you know ever since i've could imagine i've always wanted attention from beautiful women not to discredit you but um, I wanted to experience these things. And this is what we h- will have to discuss together. We have to work Listen, through these things. A lot together. of time, a lot of time, it's just being wanted. Ain't got nothing to do what they look like. <laughs> Facts. Uh, Facts. Okay. A lot of times, <laughs> just to be 100% clear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a very unfortunate thing when I think about the women who choose to endure this this journey with these men you know after Mm -hmm. all of the repeated bad decisions like my heart goes out to them because i don't i do not understand what it looks like to be viewed on like like on that level like for everybody to know your business on some at some on some point and Mm -hmm. and you're still you know very present in that situation like that it's crazy to me. Yeah, like, it's one thing to just be tough. a nobody and be going through your thing in, in private, but then not to have any privacy, really, in regards to who knows, like, everybody knows. You know, that's 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 unreal. Yeah. That is unreal. Yeah. But to wrap up... And it needs to be a it, it needs to be a conversation that you should have, too, about um expectation versus worth because... Hmm. We don't have time to talk about it, but um, the church definitely teaches women expectations more than they teach worth. They always trying to teach you how to get a husband, but not how to value yourself. So, you know, Oof. that's another conversation for another day. But you actually, know. you know, actually, um, I would tell you to go. You might have listened to it because I know you listen to Rain and Opinion sometimes. Mm-hmm. But there is insecurities. Yeah. And it's a conversation yeah. that came up behind Aisha Curry when she, you know, had all those had that statement about feeling like she was attractive, whatever. And I right. feel like a lot of it came up in that conversation on random opinions. So mm-hmm. if you didn't hear it, you should, because we touched it. Um, we did yeah. take it to the church or whatever. But 
with that being said, BJ, I have one more question for you, and then that is it, and you can tell people how <laughs> to find you. All right. So this is something new I'm doing now because of the name of the show, Crystal Clear. I just want to mm-hmm. know, in regards to what we've talked about, what are you clear on today? I'm clear on my decision to walk my own walk. Um, mm. I love I love learning how God feels about me not always taking his direction. I love Mm. what it feels like. I love that um, he understands that I'm not being disobedient, that I'm learning why I'm powerful, why Mm -hmm. I'm resourceful, and all of those different things that I feel and walk in my walk. And I'm also learning how to hear him and not his people because his people have their own agenda. I think Mm -hmm. he speaks very specific to me. He doesn't, he don't put ETH on the end of his words. It's not thinketh. It's like you think you know, and I know better. It's real. It's cut dry. Mm. So um, I love, <laughs> I love that um, relationship. So walking, walking my walk is the most clarity um, that I get from this conversation, and it helps me to in turn take these things that we talk about and give them to people so they can do the same thing. Absolutely. All right, BJ, tell the people where they can find you. I can be found on Twitter at DergoBJ. That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J. Um, the subject change is my Instagram page. It is um, pretty much where you can send like messages, DMs, any questions, comments based on this show or any other thing that I'm a part of. You can send me messaging on that. That's just solely for the show. Um, I do also have an email address that is changed subject c h a n g e d subject at gmail dot com, and a CTS hotline that is six three six thirty sixty no three one three six three six thirty sixty. Um, pretty much, I'm an open book and a very open conversationalist. So you know, hit me up if you want to talk about show. Um, topics and things of that nature. I'm pretty welcoming in that regard. So that's where you can find me. Well, all right, BJ. Thank you very much for coming on the show. This was a wonderful conversation, a long one, but a wonderful yeah, one. Man. I always have to say that when I talk to you, hey, y'all, it's long, but it's, <laughs> it's worth be it. a minute. Okay? Listen, y'all know when it's just me, it's like I'm in there and I'm out. Okay. I ain't got right, to right. But right. when I have a good guest, you know, I let them, you know, do what they do. And like I said, Every time I be trying to just touch on stuff, BJ go deep, and we gotta entertain the <laughs> We have to. It's only right, right? Right. Only but right. I appreciate but I enjoyed you, it BJ. myself. Yes. Anytime, anytime. 